I'm really excited to share that my TEDx talk, The Future of Work, is out. It combines my personal story with practical ways we can all come together to create a better world of work by focusing on human sustainability. Just search for Jen Fisher TEDx on your preferred search engine to watch my talk, and please join me in the movement to make well-being the future of work by sharing it with your networks. Thank you. One of my favorite quotes is, I am a human being, not a human doing. I'm not sure who said it, but it definitely gets to the heart of the hustle culture that so many of us are experiencing in our day-to-day lives. So how can we break free from all of the doing so we can spend more time being? Prioritizing rest is a great place to start. This is the WorkWell podcast series by Deloitte. Hi, I'm Jen Fisher, and I'm so pleased to be here with you today to talk about all things purpose, well-being, and human sustainability. I'm here with Jimena Vangochea. She's a user researcher, writer, and illustrator whose work on personal and professional development has been published in Inc., The Washington Post, Fast Company, Newsweek, Forbes, and Huffington Post, among others. She's also the author of the books, Listen Like You Mean It, Reclaiming the Art of True Connection, and her latest book, Rest Easy, Discover Calm and Abundance Through the Radical Power of Rest. Jimena, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So it's been a little while since you've been on the WorkWell podcast. So can you refresh our listeners on you know who you are, your story, and what you're all about? Yes. So I think the last time we chatted was around the time of the launch of my first book, Listen yeah. Like You Mean It, which is a book about listening and is directly tied to kind of my career before focusing full-time on being an author, which is that I was a user researcher um, working at a couple tech companies. And since then, I've kind of committed to writing and illustrating full-time. And uh, I think we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, in terms of how it relates to my new book, Rest Easy. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd love to actually kind of talk about that transition because your 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 first book and the podcast that we that we recorded around that um was so meaningful for me um because it it was around kind of the the skill of listening. Um so how did you go from listening to rest? <laughs> mm, yes. Well, for me it's actually like a very direct path which okay. maybe from the outside it it seems maybe random or not so connected. Um, The connection for me is that, you know, whenever I choose something that I'm going to write about, whether it's a book or, you know, a newsletter, I'm always thinking about partly what's going on in my life. (laughs) Um, And also, you know, where am I learning something that could be useful to other people? So listening really came out of my experience uh, working as a user researcher, since that's one of the core skills. Um, and rest, uh, rest easy really came out of a need to rest. And, and the reason that I say those are connected is because I wrote my first book while I was working my nine to five, while I was pregnant and then on maternity leave, while the pandemic was happening. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of things were going on at once. And, you know, when you're in it, you don't really think much about it. You kind of can't afford to think much about it. Um, You know, it was very much just keep putting one foot in front of the other. 
only afterwards do you realize, wow, that was kind of a lot to be doing at one point. <laughs> Maybe others would have had that foresight, but I didn't, you know, I was kind of like a kid in a candy shop of like, yeah, I'll do all the things. Um, but I was pretty exhausted after that experience. And I don't think it's unusual in this culture, certainly for, for many of us to get to a point of burnout. Maybe, you know, your version of that isn't exactly the same um, set of ingredients as mine, but I think we're often familiar with that moment where you go, this is not working. Like right. I am too tired. Um, but I realized when I sort of reached that moment that I, I didn't really know what to do. <laughs> you know, I, I knew that what I was doing wasn't working. And my, my first sort of guess was to quit my nine to five. And I was in a position where I was able to do that, um, which I know not everyone is, but mm-hmm. I was lucky enough to do that. And I, I really thought that it would be temporary, (laughs) you know, in six weeks, maybe I'd be back on the job market, that this was just a a sort of uh, temporary thing to kind of help me get my energy back. Um, And it didn't work out that way. Uh, You know, I I pretty quickly realized that quitting your job does not actually mean that you are resting and recovering, um, and that Mm. it's a little more complicated than, than that. Say more about that. That's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, th- I think it's it's sort of the same idea behind like, why do we look forward to vacation? Because we're not working, you know, as part of it. And, and but why then do we you think- come back from ex- vacation sometimes and you're exhausted. <laughs> you're exhausted. Or yeah. it even takes like several days for you to even get into the swing of being yeah. on vacation. Totally. Um, and, you know, obviously, if, if you don't have that nine to five, like suddenly you have more hours in the day. Um, but I also had a young child um, who was not yet in school. Uh, the pandemic was happening. You know, there are plenty of other things that can right. fill your day with, with stress. And the world um, we're living in is just difficult to live exactly. in, right? <laughs> yeah. And so I kind of realized, all right, that's that was kind of my first um, personal rest experiment. Um, and it wasn't enough. It was going to take more than that. And I sort of had a moment with myself where I thought, well, I I don't really have any ideas about what else to do. You know, I was really banking on that one idea. Um, And that really set off um, my personal journey. And then also this book, Rest Easy, which is the sort of culmination of this exploration of, okay, like, what is rest? Like, I don't really remember or I don't feel super confident and figuring out how to do this. Why don't I remember? This seems so basic. And what does rest mean to me? Because it's not that there isn't advice out there, but it felt very vague um, Mm -hmm. and not super, you know, it sort of felt like, yeah, everybody knows we're supposed to get eight hours of sleep. Okay. I've been working on eight hours of sleep my whole life, you know, (laughs) I'm still tired. Um, (laughs) So it really felt like something was missing. And that is really, you know, the rest easy is the book that, I wish I'd had when I got to that cr- crossroads um, to to really get the rest I needed. And and there's, I mean, I think that that's such a such a important point. And I know you talk about that in the book is the you know, the eight. And I've I've had so many conversations with people that they're like, I'm getting enough sleep at night, and I still feel exhausted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and so I think that that is such an important point because. You know, I know in my own experience, too, that, you know, I was like, wow, I feel like I'm doing everything that I'm that I've been told to do or that I think I know when it comes to rest, which is, to your point, primarily 
us thinking that getting enough sleep will, will, will fix it. And then when it doesn't, I know for myself, I personalized it, right? Oh, well, I must be doing it wrong or there's something else wrong with me. Other, not that like I didn't actually understand that there's more to rest than just getting enough sleep, getting enough sleep, getting good quality quantity sleep is a very important part of that. But like, can you level set us on that? Like, w- how do you define rest? Like what are the components and then what are the benefits of it? Yeah. So I think of rest as any activity, anything that is going to leave you either calm or energized relative to where you were before, right? It's either going to help you to calm down, slow down, feel that sense of inner quiet, inner peace, um, ease, or it's going to energize you. It's going to bring you, you know, up. It's going to boost you up, give you joy, uh, and and help you, you know, tackle whatever it is that you want to tackle. Um, so I think of it as kind of both sides of that coin, which already I think is a little bit different because it's easy for us to just focus on the first one. Right. Of yeah, rest is just you know I need to sleep. I need to slow down. Um, I think we do get a lot of we can get a lot of energizing effects from rest as well. Um, and then the other thing that I would say is when I think about rest, like more tactically, I would say there are sort of three buckets that I'm really thinking about. And that's physical rest, mental rest, and spiritual rest. Mm-hmm. I think we tend to focus on physical rest, right? We tend to think about sleep. Um, a lot of people kind of use those words interchangeably, sleep and rest. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also... Uh, mental rest, right? If you've ever been on vacation and you've been kind of like laying down on a beach, you know, beautiful scenery um, and had your mind running a mile a minute, you know that it's not just about (laughs) being in the right place or even being like lying down. It's, It's also, there's something internal, there's something mental that has to happen for you to really relax as well. Um, So that I think is a really important category for us to think about. And then the third one, as I mentioned, is more spiritual rest, which I also feel is a little bit, it's kind of like like a little bit of a stepchild, right? It's like, we don't really think about feeding, nourishing our spirit as a way to rest. But for me, if I go to, uh, you know, a museum and I see a really moving piece of art, or if I go to um, a performance, a theater or dance, like those are really spiritually nourishing for me personally. And I do come out of those more relaxed. Now, if the museum is super crowded and you know, <laughs> I have a long commute to get there, obviously that's going to detract for that. But there are these moments that we have that can be very restorative um, for yeah. our spirit, for our soul. Yeah, I think moments in nature, things that bring us awe um, yes. can be very, you know, spiritually um, reinvigorating or refreshing. So, and I want to kind of dig into some of the tactical things that we can do in, in each one of those areas. Um, but before we do that, what are like, what are the, some of the things that people get wrong around rest? Like, what are the myths, you know, we live in this culture that in many ways tells us that rest is bad, that if you're not, you know, if you're not hustling, if you're not on, if you're not going and doing all the time, um, 
then you must be lazy Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that rest isn't productive. And so can we talk a little bit about that and kind of bust those myths and talk about why they're wrong? (laughs) Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think you're, you're kind of honing in on one of the big ones, which is this idea that your worth is tied to your output, Mm. that you as an individual, um, you know, that your value is really in how productive you are. Now, that is true from a purely capitalistic perspective of if you are a worker bee, like your, you know, boss, your manager of the company expects you to have some output. Like, yeah, that's true, like in very crude terms. But it's not true in terms of like who you are and what you bring to the world and the ex- your experience Um of the world. And, and I think we can very easily confuse our value as a person with, you know, uh, expectations from a work perspective. Yeah. Um, and that makes it hard to see that that rest is not something uh, that you have to earn. I think a lot of us, that's probably like the big, the big myth that I would say I see a lot is because we have this idea that, you know, we are our output. Uh, we do think that sitting still, you know, is bad. There's this thing called idleness aversion. It's like you can't sit still, you can't rest, you can't relax because it must mean that you are um, lazy or sort of morally less good than someone who works. And what that often leads to is sort of an unwillingness to rest just because our body needs it, just because you know, we want to, there's often an attachment between rest and deserving. So, Mm. well, I haven't done enough work to deserve that break. Um, Or I can only take a vacation once I achieve a certain um, outcome. Uh, And that's a big one, you know, because if you don't think that you deserve rest, then it's going to change your approach to it. If you think you have to earn rest, it's always going to be at the bottom of your list, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's always more things that you could do Never to enough. Yeah. prove. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, so I think that can really get in the way of, you know, having a, a sort of more deeply rooted, intuitive connection to rest. And, and it's so fascinating to me that, that the, the paradox in all of this, especially when it comes to work and work output, especially quality work output, that the more unrested you are, (laughs) the worse your, your output is, right? And so there is a direct correlation, but somehow we in our in our minds and in our culture and our behaviors have have completely screwed up that correlation. And so if you were exhausted and overwhelmed all of the time, your output in anything in your life that you're doing is going to be sub-optimized because we do everything better when we're well, well rested. And that's just a fact. <laughs> Absolutely. And, yeah. and I think that's part of why rest is so crucial is, yeah. you know, it, it is going to make you better at your job. It is going to help you be more creative. It's also going to help improve your relationships, right? right? The version of yourself that shows up to work or home or, you know, a social event exhausted is probably not that fun to talk to. It's no. <laughs> probably not that generous in spirit, you know, is not as sharp. Um, you know, I, I do think that's one of the big benefits is that when we're rested, we're kind of closer to 
being our true selves as opposed to this sort of hollowed out version of ourselves that, you know, it's kind of like you're, you're dragging your body around, but not fully there. No, I, I tell people, you know, rest, you don't have to earn your rest. We all deserve rest, but if you can't, if you can't buy into that yet, <laughs> then think of rest as the ultimate performance enhancer, right? Because rest is, you know, the ultimate performance enhancer. And, you know, people people can, can gravitate towards that too. <laughs> totally. And I think, you know, everybody's at a different point in their rest journey. So if that's the message that resonates more, yeah. then I think that's great. You know, I think for other people, let's say who have more people-pleasing tendency, like the message that might resonate with them more is, this is going to be better for the people in my life. Like yeah. maybe it's not for me, but it is for my community or my colleagues or my family. Um, so, you know, I think part of finding the rest practices that work for you is also kind of finding the rest mindset that works for you and knowing your your why. And, and that can be different for everyone. Yeah. And you talk, I mean, you talk about rest profiles. And so maybe this is kind of a good segue into the rest profiles that you talk about in your book. Yes. So there are five rest profiles and these, you know, really help us understand our relationship to rest. And they have to do with our personalities and our upbringing, um, kind of a our identities too, I would say there's a mix of factors, but there's five that really come up the most. And the first is the intuitive rester. Um, I think of this as the group that we maybe all aspire to be a part of, which is, you know, these are the folks who have a really good sense of when they're tired, um, when they need a break, uh, and what the best, most restorative set of activities is going to be for them. And they incorporate it in their routine. You know, they're not waiting to burn out. Um, They're really taking care on a day-to-day basis. Um, May we all be intuitive resters at some point, but, um, you know, I think... (laughs) Sign me up. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, And then the other, the second uh, profile I want to mention are functional resters. So functional resters similar to intuitive resters, they do have a pretty good sense of what's going to work for them. One of the big differences is that a functional rester can sometimes feel a little bit backed into a corner of like, I have to rest because I will not function without rest. So a good example would be um, people with chronic illness, uh, people who maybe work overnight shifts and so have had to totally redesign their day-to-day to accommodate very real, you know, spells of fatigue or other other challenges there. Um, so they they have pretty good systems, but maybe less um, less affection a- around it, right? Because they sort of feel forced into it. The third group are gold star resters. So gold star resters to me are maybe a little bit more connected to the conversation that we were having earlier because they are really um, looking at rest as something you achieve, something that you, you, you know, it's sort of like you get a gold star, you get to rest. It's something that they will tackle at the end of their to-do list, um, but not before because of that mindset of, you know, this is something I have to earn. This is a reward versus a necessity. Um, so what's tricky for gold star resters is that, you know, maybe they don't have the health issues that a functional rester might have. So they might not notice immediately that cutting corners on rest is affecting them. 
Um, but they tend to be more prone to things like chronic stress that kind of creep in or and are sort of always a low hum there until they're not, you know, until that moment of burnout reaches. So that's one of the tricky parts. And then there are anti-resters. Anti-resters, I think, are the group that is really actively not trying to rest. You know, they're very much part of the rise and grind culture. Um, they really see rest uh, and other self-care practices as, uh, you know, something to be ashamed of, something to not pursue. They take a lot of pride in powering through. Um, it's part of their identity. Um, so they're really, you know, they're not trying to rest. They're, they're trying to they're tell the, you. I'll rest when I'm dead group. Yeah. And like, here's how few hours I can function on. Like, isn't yeah. that great? Right. Mm -hmm. And then the last group are deprived resters. So a deprived rester might really want to rest, but they are at a moment in their lives where there are various circumstances that are out of their control that make it really, really difficult to rest. Um, so that could be uh, the parent of small children, right? Uh, especially in those early years, you might really want to rest, you might know your favorite rest practices. Um, but it's just it's going to be extra hard. Um, during that phase of your life, or maybe there's a spout, uh, uh, maybe there's a, a bout of illness that is challenging or caretaking for another loved one um, or having a job that is just not flexible um, and requires, uh, you know, more than than you would like to be giving at that moment. So I think we're all deprived resters at some point in our lives. We usually come out of that. You know, it's, it's usually not a permanent state, but I think we probably pass through it. And then the others, you know, it sort of depends, again, on your circumstances and, and your personality and things like that. I see parts of myself in every single one of those profiles. <laughs> um, and, um, and, and so I'm trying to kind of figure out, you know, there's a part of me that I think I'm still a, a gold star uh, rester, um, but wish that I wasn't. Um, but anyway, you know, we, we, we still live in this, you know, when we talked about it a little bit, this culture of busy and always doing. And so, you know, in your research, in your writing, like, was there anything that surprised you about people's views around rest? And maybe more importantly, like, how do we change our views around rest and stop feeding this, you know, this culture of busy? Yeah, I would say the thing that surprised me was that in addition to our views around rest being influenced by, you know, our general culture, um, you know, and, and our approach to work and everything like that. It's also deeply influenced by our upbringing. So mm. the more I talked to people, the more that came up where someone would say, you know, my mom used to always work on vacation. And so do I, right? And they sort of like made that connection during the interview or someone would say, actually, like my dad always let us sleep in on the weekends. And I, I always did that and I didn't feel guilty about it until I started, you know, a job um, and, and people kind of made me feel embarrassed about that or like I was being lazy. Um, so just learning how deeply connected, you know, understanding your role models, maybe they're your parents, maybe there were other adults in your life, um, how quickly we pick up on those habits and, and approaches, and how deeply that affects our own relationship to rest to me was surprising. 
Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I make sense when you say it out loud, but I, I'm not sure I would have thought of it going back that far, um, you know, in, in terms of, you know, our, our upbringing and how, you know, what our parents did or other role, mo- role models did. So I guess if we, if we, I mean, how do we stop feeding this culture of, you know, rest is bad, rest is lazy? Um, what, what do we do? <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it's a sort of multi-pronged Other than approach. Other books like you did. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I think it takes, it, it takes a few things. And I think, you know, um, what I'll say is that there are things that we can do individually for, you know, ourselves. And then there's also going to be a set of things that we can do collectively. Because I do think of this as uh, it's a challenge that is not solely up to you to solve meaning. You can do, you can have all the rest practices in your life. You can do all the right things. And if you work somewhere that is a culture of, you know, butts and seats, like for however many hours of the day, uh, you know, no taking off early or no taking, you know, a sick day or, um, uh, if you're a shift worker, right? If you don't have certain benefits, um, if you're a parent that doesn't have uh, access to childcare, like there are bigger structural things that no matter how For many sure. candles you light are, yeah. are going to get in the way. Um, that being said, those bigger structural things are also things that take time, <laughs> a lot of time to figure out. Um, so I would say, you know, not burying your head totally in the sand uh, and and imagining that those don't exist because when we do that, we tend to take the blame on ourselves. Why am I not? Why am I still so tired? Uh, it must be my fault rather than, you know, these bigger forces. So I think paying attention to those and doing what you can to, you know, get involved if if you feel called to that cause or to at least recognize that it's not your entire responsibility and therefore not your entire fault. Um, so that's one piece. And then when it does come to working on that individualized piece of what do you need um, absent those larger forces to get through your day, feeling rested, feeling energized, feeling calm, I think this is where it really can help to do a little bit of exploration. Um, and the book has lots of techniques in each of those categories that we were talking about earlier of, you know, physical, spiritual, and mental rest. Right. So just starting with, you know, which which part of those calls to you, I think, and going from there? Yeah, and, and one of the other things that you talk about um, in the book a lot, which I think is a great place to start for people, are, are micro moments of rest. So can you tell us what those are? might seem obvious, but explain that. But also give us a couple of examples of things that people can do during their work day or work night, whatever it might be, or, you know, just to get those moments of of rest and a little bit of recovery. Yes. So micro moments of of rest are really meant to be the sort of smallest moment of rest that you can squeeze into your day. So even those of us who are super, super busy, um, which I think we all feel that way, uh, you know, it's a way of creating a little bit of breathing space. Um, and so it can be anything from, you know, um, let's say, uh, you're at the grocery store after a long day at work and you're waiting online and there's people in front of you and it's crowded and it's stressful and you're answering work emails. Um, what would happen if instead, if you just stopped to breathe, 
you know, just took that as a moment of, okay, maybe you didn't want to spend these extra five minutes like waiting to pay for your groceries, but look, you have them now. Um, Can you reframe them? Can they be calming in some way? Um, So looking for those little moments uh, throughout your day. I think one other that I'll mention too is, you know, a lot of us are attached to our devices. Um, That's okay. (laughs) We're all in the same boat. Um, But looking for moments to disconnect. And and they, again, they don't have to be big. So, you know, one of the things that I talk about is what I call transition time. So when you are, for example, sitting at your desk and then you go up to get a snack, um, a lot of us will take our phones with us. Um, even though there's not really any good reason for it. Like a lot of us were probably just on our phones anyway, uh, but it's simply, especially working from home, it's simply moving from one room to another where we impulsively just grab that device. Um, What if you left it on your desk? What if you just saw what that felt like? So these are really small interventions that you can try um, and see, you know, really the goal is to create more space, more, more breathing room in your day. Um, and then, of course, there there are bigger things that you can do too. And talk about, yeah, talk to us about some of those bigger things, or I guess said differently, um, what can we do to make sure that we're making rest a, a regular habit? Like micro moments are a good place to start if you don't have the habits already. But like, what are the like, what what's the bigger picture look like? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think the most important thing is really figuring out like what actually feels restful to you. Mm -hmm. Um, Because like we were saying earlier, you know, there are going to be things that you hear or common knowledge or have been told and you just feel that is not cutting it. Um, A big, a good example for me in my case is, you know, when I think of physical rest, I think of anything that I'm doing lying down, right? So it could be sleep, but it could be reading a book. Um, as long as it's fiction, reading nonfiction, because that's what I do for a living is not restful for me because I'm kind of thinking too much about, you know, how did the author do this? Oh, that's interesting that they told, told that story, right? So, you know, but for somebody else, nonfiction could be really restful. Um, I think of, you know, uh, drawing. I find that very meditative, very relaxing and not drawing with a specific outcome even, just like, you know, just doodling. Um, for some people, it's, crossword puzzles or jigsaw puzzles. Um, For some people, it's, uh, you know, physical activity that really gets your heart rate up. I mean, this kind of shocked me, but my, (laughs) my husband, when I started talking to him about rest, he talked about mountain biking. Mm -hmm. And I thought, how is that possibly restful? Like that sounds so stressful and uh, like mentally, emotionally, and physically. Um, but no, he really loves it and can get into a particular zone. And I think he, you know, is not that interested in massages, which I am interested in, right? So there's all these different kinds of things that you can do to get the rest you need, but it's going to look pretty different for you than it will from other people. And I think that's fine. And, you know, if you can explore those things and think about what did I really like to do as a kid, for example, Mm -hmm. what's something that felt like play? And it doesn't mean that, you know, let's say, you know, in my case, um, 
I loved making movies and I grew up with three sisters. And so I could cast my sisters in the movies. You know, we've got these like funny, like sepia toned footage from, uh, you know, a mystery that I, I filmed one summer. Um, I loved that. And I felt like really relaxed in a way. Um, I'm not signing up for a film class now. I'm not, you know, trying to create movies on my phone or anything like that. My version of that today is just, you know, I do allow myself to like watch a really good movie, like mm-hmm. see, okay, wh- you know, I'm able to connect it to it in a different way or to, you know, take my son to the museum of moving image um, in Queens, which is all about, you know, TV and film and those things. Right. So it doesn't have to look like the exact thing that you did as a child, but you want to kind of like pull threads from it and see if there's something interesting for you there. And, and I love that, that you brought up, um, your, your, the mountain biking, because I, I think, um, that's such an important point for, cause for me, the same thing I, you know, I go to the gym and I feel like, you know, it is, even though it's, you know, physically, physical exertion and exhaustion, sometimes it is one of the only times during my day where I feel like I am disconnected from everything else that's going on. You know, I'm there, I'm present, I'm in the moment. Um, and, and part of it is cause you have to be, otherwise you'll get injured. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so maybe it's a forcing mechanism, but it is, you know, for me, I, I find that physical, you know, exertion of my body is one of my favorite ways to, and most impactful ways to rest. But I think oftentimes people don't think of that as rest, um, but it can be. Totally. And, you know, for, for anyone who's maybe less, uh, physically inclined, less athletic, uh, which I, I count myself in that group, you know, any kind of movement is going to help. So going there's for a, a walk, going for a walk, tons of benefits there. <laughs> totally. Um, yeah. You know, I, it, was, it was funny. My, my dog just got up to, you know, bark at a package being delivered. <laughs> what dogs do is really interesting, which is after they have a stressful moment, which that was for him, they shake themselves off. So they shake their whole body yeah. off the same yeah. way they would when, you know, yeah. after getting wet or something like that. Yeah. Um, there's a reason they do it. It's a way to shake off their stress. And so any kind of movement, even if it's just, you know, maybe it's dancing, maybe it's blasting a song and, you know, dancing it out, or maybe it's just a full body shake, right? Just do as the dogs do. And you're just shaking it out. Um, all of those things can I think there's so much we can learn from dogs in our lives. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Because after they shake it off, they then go, they then go to sleep, right? They go rest. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And and one thing that, that I also kind of wanted to loop back a a little bit is, you know, the workplace and Mm -hmm. strategies that, you know, we can use for ourselves to make sure that we are, you know, getting rest um, during our workday, but, you know, as you were talking about kind of where our, you know, some of our beliefs around rest have come from in our childhood, um, I do think we get a lot of those too from the workplace in our adulthood. Um, yes. and those that, you know, we, that, that we look up to as role models and, and how they show up or how we perceive they're showing up when it comes to things like, rest and recovery. So I do think, and and I'd love for you to talk about kind of like as a a leader, but even as a a colleague, um, you know, the importance of um, 
you know, to the level of somebody's comfort, kind of, you know, being authentic and open and vulnerable about um, the rest that they need or the ways that they rest. Because I do think that that's a, a powerful way for all of us to feel like we have, you know, that, that we can and that we should be resting. Definitely. And it's absolutely connected in terms of, you know, what's happening at a leadership level and also what's happening at an individual level. Those those two things are connected, whether we want them to be or not. We're taking cues. You know, if you're an individual contributor, you're taking cues from your manager, um, implicit or explicit. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think part of this is really about talking about it more. Um, not treating ourselves as machines, as, as robots, um, but being honest about, you know, wow, that was a really big project. Um, I'm exhausted now. Um, and have, being able to have that conversation and also being able to think about like, okay, if you just hit a big project milestone, do you have to move on to the next thing right away? And there's mm-hmm. always a next project right away. Could you give right. yourself, and, you know, maybe if you work at a company that's flexible enough, you say, I'm going to take the day off, right? Like I shipped that. I did a good job. I'm going to take the day off. Maybe you don't work at a company that flexible. And your version of that is saying, I'm going to give myself a real proper lunch break today. Um, you know, and I'm not going to sit in front of my computer or I'm going to make sure that at least one of my one-on-ones is a walking one-on-one so that at least I get some movement and that's going to be relaxing. So it's going to happen at different levels. Right. Um, but I think part of it is, you know, talking about it, noticing it, and then experimenting and finding these these ways that you can give yourself that pause, because we often don't give ourselves that pause. Um, and then the other thing I would say is, you know, this is sometimes easiest when you're first starting a job, but it can be done afterwards, even if you've been at a company for a while, but setting some boundaries, setting some limits, making it clear that, you are going to leave at five on the dot every day or that you're not going to take a, you know, 6 p.m. meeting on a Tuesday night. Um, you know, and again, it's this is highly dependent on the work environment and, and how flexible it is. But I think at least establishing some of those things up front um, can really help because when you're not clear about you know, your boundaries uh, uh, in that regard, it's really easy to just have them slowly eroded. Mm-hmm. And then you don't realize like, oh, that's weird. I'm, I have a six o'clock meeting. Um, I guess I'm going because I've, I've, it would be weird to say I'm not going now. Right. Um, right. So, you know, and again, it's not to say that you can't bring that up after you've started a job, you absolutely can. It just gets a little bit, um, you know, it might be a little bit harder, but having those conversations um, and saying, you know, I'm really trying to, I have to make a daycare pickup or um, I'm trying to um, foster better work-life boundaries or whatever your why is, if you feel comfortable sharing that um, can be useful too. Yeah. And I, I, um, I mean, I, I think that the good news is is that these types of things are being talked about more and discussed more in the workplace, um, and and people are trying, not always succeeding, to <laughs> hold and respect others' uh, boundaries. But you know, I also think that you know, communicating those needs and when 
when you were able to do things, you know, more often than not, that one-off random 6 p.m. meeting on a Tuesday doesn't feel so awful when yeah. every other Tuesday, you know, there, you know, that, that boundary is held. Right. And so totally. there's flexibility, you know, in all of those things, cause nothing, this is life and nothing is perfect. Exactly. <laughs> right. I mean, but when it works more often than not, that's, that, you know, that's pretty that, good. that to me is yeah, pretty good. Right. Especially in the world that we're living in. And, and you mentioned before briefly about kind of, technology and you know this notion that you know when we move from room to room in our own homes we we tend to grab our phone or maybe we're on our phone as we're walking from room to room so talk to me about the role that technology plays in rest um i think we all know how it's a detriment but in any way is it a benefit or can it be a benefit this is a good question (laughs) um yeah i mean of course, it's going to, yes, I can think of multiple, right? It's like, um, for example, I just started doing Qigong for 10 minutes a day. Um, that is like very restful. And I watch a YouTube <laughs> clip for it. You know, it's like the same, it's the same woman doing the same YouTube, um, the same sequence of uh, movements. And it's so easy for me to do that. And it's much easier for me to do these 10 minutes a day than it would be for me to go find a class or a center, um, interrupt the middle of my day, take an hour to do that, right? So, of course, there are going to be benefits. I think it's really just about, you know, what are you using technology for? Um, Is it going to make things more restful or not? And I think one of the things that we often get a little bit confused about is that we think that if we're really tired at the end of the day, that we have like earned some, you know, chilling out time and we're too tired to do anything but watch TV and then stream something. Um, That's not the same intention as what I was saying earlier, which is like, I love film, so I may watch a movie. If I am at the end of the day, uh, you know, on a on a weeknight, and I can't think of anything else to do, but how I'm so tired, and I'm just going to either like watch something on, uh, you know, a streaming platform, or browse social media, or just like kind of randomly clear my inbox. Like those are not restful activities. It can seem restful because we're on the couch, we're laying down we are shutting down our brains, right? We're choosing something really mindless. But usually if you are that tired that that feels like the only viable option, you should probably just go to sleep Um, because all of that scrolling and streaming usually just cuts into our sleep. And of course Mm -hmm. there's blue light and that's not good for your sleep either. Um, So I think it's not so much that, you know, to rest, you have to not use technology, but it is about being mindful Um, and really being intentional um, and noticing like, okay, I have this impulse to carry my phone from room to room or to, uh, you know, watch the fourth episode of of something in a row. Um, Is that being intentional? No, that's more being uh, reactive or impulsive. Um, So just being intentional about how we use technology, I think is, is, is the key. Yeah, I, I, I feel totally called out there, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there. We've all been there. <laughs> so one one final question for you, Amanda. 
since kind of going on this journey for yourself and especially writing an entire book about rest, what do you do differently in your own life now when it comes to rest? Like, what are your go-to strategies? What have you changed um, most significantly since being on this journey for yourself? Yeah, a few things. Um, You know, there is one around sleep, which is that I now have a bedtime routine and I try and keep, you know, a specific bedtime, uh, you know, a 30 minute window and stick to that because that helps you fall asleep faster because your body is like, oh, it's 10 p.m. This is when she normally goes to sleep. Um, We know what to do. Um, So it helps you fall asleep uh, and feel more rested and just less anxious about, you know, sleep, which if you've ever struggled with insomnia is actually a pretty big deal. Um, And then little things like, uh, you know, when I'm walking my dog, I often listen to podcasts, but not always. You know, that's again, the sort of like being intentional about technology. It's like sometimes, especially because I work from home, um, it's really nice to have a voice in my ear. Um, You know, I don't have colleagues anymore now that I'm a writer. So it's really lovely. Um, But other times I realize, actually, this is like the perfect time to just be present for a minute and just let my thoughts wander um, and do what they need to do and not crowd out those thoughts with a podcast, a chat show, anything like that. Um, the other thing I like to do on those walks is now I, I pay attention more to, um, I hunt for fractal patterns, which are very calming visually. So fractal patterns are, you know, when you look at a snowflake or, um, broccoli, they're shapes that repeat themselves. So like a head of broccoli, when you break off a chunk, that small piece of broccoli, it's the same shape as that head of broccoli. Those are very easy to visually process. And so they can be calming to us. Um, So I'll look, you know, at the branches of a tree or at the patterns of leaves. Um, And again, I'm just kind of like giving myself something to do besides looking at my phone. Um, And it's also restful. Um, And then the last thing I would say that is like super, super part of my rest routine now is I'm reading a ton of fiction, Mm. um, which is (laughs) funny for me. Yeah, I love it. I, I was a literature major in college. And then once I started writing nonfiction, I really stopped reading uh, fiction, but I've gotten back into that since working on this um, book. And it's so restful. It just is so like, it transports you to a different place. You don't have to worry about like, whatever your worries were, you are in in a completely different world. And that's lovely. Yeah, I I love that too. Well, Jimena, this as as I knew it would be, has been an an incredible conversation. I I learned a lot. I I feel seen. I feel called out. <laughs> I feel all the things that I should feel. So thank you, uh, thank you for that, and thank you for being back on the show. Oh, thank you so much. This was such a great conversation. I'm so grateful Jimena could be with us today to talk about rest. Thank you to our producers, Rivet360, and our listeners. You can find the WorkWell podcast series on Deloitte.com, or you can visit various podcatchers using the keyword WorkWell, all one word, to hear more. And if you like the show, don't forget to subscribe so you get all of our future episodes. If you have a topic you'd like to hear on the WorkWell podcast series, or maybe a story you would like to share, please reach out to me on LinkedIn. My profile is under the name Jen Fisher, or on Twitter at JenFish23. We're always open to your recommendations and feedback. And of course, if you like what you hear, please share, post, and like this podcast. Thank you and be well.
The information, opinions, and recommendations expressed by guests on this Deloitte podcast series are for general information and should not be considered as specific advice or services.